Thanks for listening to the first ever Shazam podcast, the newest podcast to the Almighty Balling Podcast Network. It's a Phoenix Sun specific show. I'm Matt Baker from the Brick House podcast, also on Almighty Ballin', and my co-host who will be joining me every week is Aaron Thuringer. Hello. Pleasure to hey, be here. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Oh, perfect. Now, Aaron and I, um, we both, the Suns are our team, we're both from Phoenix, I live in Los Angeles. So I figured in order to do a Suns podcast, I needed someone on the ground in the middle of the action. That and is that me, is, boots on the ground. That is our resident action man, Aaron Thuringer. But Aaron, <laughs> before I get into this, I want to tell you about a an app. You could call it a handy app. It's oh. handy.com. Now, when I say it's a handy app, I mean that is both the name of it and its its service. Okay. Handy is a leading platform connecting individuals looking for household services with top quality pre-screened independent service professionals. Oh, Aaron, okay. you know how from time to time you need your house cleaned or you need something painted or maybe you need a TV mounted you on the wall? You know, I'm a, I'm a terrible, like I can't do anything myself. Like I, I don't know how to fix anything or paint anything. Yeah. So I have this problem all the time. Oh man, this is perfect for you. If you go to handy.com and download their app, by the way, it only takes 60 seconds to book online and schedule your home service for as early as tomorrow. Uh You enter the code ALMIGHTY50 and you'll receive 50% off cleaning services. If you enter the code ALMIGHTY15, you'll receive 15% off handyman, plumbing, and electrician services. All you do is select the date and time you'd like your professional to show up. They'll confirm the appointment, take care of payment electronically, and boom, they'll show up at your doorstep on time. It's kind of like I, the Uber Lyft model. Yeah, you just, if you need something doing, just download the app, put in the promo code, Bob's your uncle, etc., cetera, et cetera. <laughs> That's uh, great. So that is a handy app at handy.com. Remember to put in the promo code almighty50, that's five zero, or almighty15, that's one five. All right, Aaron. The big news yes. in Suns land this week was the two games in Mexico, and more specifically, the play of Devin Booker. It He definitely... I wouldn't say Devin Booker's year has been that great, He's young, and the team's not good, so that's understandable. I think think we all expected a little too much this season. Yeah, but this felt like a moment. This kind of felt like something happened. That's an oversimplification, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah, it... First of all, it, it, the, the international games, I've always found this with football and basketball, they're kind of interesting, because you have to... You have to... You can't just send the filth down to the to Mexico, or you can't ship the bad teams over to London because you need you need to generate some some buzz. So you need to have you need to have something going on. So you can't just ship down like the Suns versus the Kings or the Suns versus the Sixers, right? You need something but, going on. And you need something more than just preseason, right? So, but this was kind of the perfect storm. Um, a guy we both follow on Twitter. 
Scott Howard actually brought up a good point of this is one of those games where in 15 years, you'll see little Mexican kids in Mexico walking around with Devin Booker jerseys. Like, he yeah, might, I mean, he, he I might have sent a statement to make Devin Booker fans for life. That and hopefully Suns fans for life, right? I mean, most of that crowd seemed to be more pro Mavericks and more pro Spurs, although I think they were just more pro players they knew, right? Like more pro sure. Dirk Nowitzki, more pro Well they have like the Manu they Ginobili, have the effect. Tony Parker. So I think that Devin Booker could definitely be you know, I was I was telling you via text he was Mr. Mexico with what he was doing, but I definitely think he could create a whole new generation of of Suns fans, although it might realistically be a, a whole new generation of Devin Booker fans and they'll be Suns fans as long as he's on the team. Sure. So the the thing I feel they had going with the Mavericks is they they like Dirk because of Eduardo Nahara, right? Like true. You got you it's the same reason why uh Chinese fans like the Rockets because of Yao. So they just they like where their guy goes and then they Can kind I of counter like your player. point though? Sure. When I always compare it to like when big soccer teams come play in the United States, like we don't really care if there's an American on their team or not, right? We're That's fair. the stars we know, like, oh, Ronaldo's on this team, Messi, like, I got to go see them. So, yeah, but I mean, I, I definitely there. think they like, of course, like, Nahara is a big connector. I think it's right. just, oh, that's Dirk. That's a superstar. That's one of the 20 best players of all time. I more so think that's what's driving the fan adoration down there or anywhere else in the world. I mean, yeah, you're, you're going to love players of your nationality, but I, I think what is going to drive them more is just the stars. That's fair. So this, this is a coming out for Devin Booker potentially is one of those stars. He shot... I twenty six for forty two over the two games, and he had thirty nine points in each game. That ties his career high. He hasn't broken into the forties yet because he had he had thirty nine once earlier this season against the Lakers. Um, and he also shot nine for twelve from three point range, which that's a big, that's obviously a big thing about Devin Booker's game. That was the big thing about him coming out is he might have been the best three point shooter in his draft. Yeah, so, and the, the form is so pretty. He had been struggling with his shot for most of the year. The The shooting percentage was down. I mean, I think part of that is the fact that there's really no one on this team that can set anyone up. There's no true point guard other than Tyler Eulis, who barely plays. But you're right. I mean, the, the shot was getting better. And I also want to kind of throw into this, like, the Mexico is the narrative, but he kind of started this with the great performance he had against the Cavs last week as well um or was that earlier this week i don't quite remember but was, he re- played really well yeah that was Cleveland. a week ago kinda... today on sunday oh, okay yeah and um it kind of carried over so that's about three terrific games in a row he's played two of them against you know two of the three best teams in the nba i no. i definitely think um you know there's been an awakening have you felt it to quote Star Wars, <laughs> yeah. I just I feel like this is a moment. This is something that we're gonna look back on and say that's when that's when he started, you know, climbing that ladder. So, you know, correct me if I'm wrong because you've 
you've watched more Suns games than I have because you have access to every single one. Um, watching that game yesterday, the thing that I took away was not necessarily the look of his shot, his three-point shot. It was he he's pretty fearless getting to the basket. He, he is. He, he's, he's been developing well he, lately, too. Yeah, he's developed he's developed that attitude of maybe maybe it's just cuz he's now like, you know, a season and a half into his NBA career. Um, but he 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 I would see him go multiple times into the middle of three guys down low and he did finish. He came away and he would get fouled sometimes, but he also it, they aren't they aren't reckless. I'm just going to get there and throw the ball close and see what happens. He actually is composed and was able to put something together. Is that is that something you've seen more out of him this year? It definitely is. He, I mean, he has the ability, like you said, to get into the lane and finish and go to the line. What's really encouraging is he's always, you know, he came in the league, he was just like, he's going to be a shooter. That was his only MO, right? Mm-hmm. But every time they've asked him to do more, he's been able to do it. I mean, last year I thought, he was a better point guard than either Bledsoe or Knight last year. He was running the pick and roll better than than either of those two. Right. And he has a, I mean, he has the the ability to play a little point, in my opinion. And he has that ability to get to the rim. And of course, he has that pretty shot. I mean, he really is developing, and like he has superstar potential, which isn't news, but you see that. At 20, he has all of these abilities, and he's, he's starting to do it better and better. And I just, I mean, the sky really is the limit for this guy. He's going to be, he could be really great. The only thing that's lacking is defense at the moment, but no one plays good defense at 20. And if you play good defense at 20, you probably don't have offensive skills. You know what I mean? Yeah, it it's tough um, because even players, even young players who come into the league uh, are friend of the show Bjorn who I'm sure will be on at some point we were talking last night about Wiggins how Wiggins came into the league as he was known for his defense right and now he's he's kind of trying to take over offensively because maybe he found that it wasn't quite as easy to be a 19 year old defender and it yeah I mean because you're still Booker is I'm looking at basketball reference He's 20 years old and 77 days as of today. So he's still, and, and we all know he, how he's grown a few inches since he was drafted, right? Like that was the big thing about him is he's kind of still growing and working into this body. So he's not. He would have to be, yeah. I mean, if when you come to, he was 18 when he was drafted, right? Yeah. It, so it, so he's still, the one thing he knows how to do is shoot. Because, like, if you're a shooter, you know how to shoot. So that the other yeah. things you would hope you would learn is driving to the basket, drawing that contact, and also playing perimeter defense. So those are the things. That's what takes him from. I I don't I don't have a good comparison off the top of my head, but just like a because I don't want to compare him to like a pure Kyle Korver type player. But that's where I I guess in a way that is what takes you from. Kyle Korver to Clay Thompson, right? Yeah, and I, I definitely think Clay Thompson is what we're all hoping he can develop into. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think Clay Thompson might have been the 13th pick in the draft, also. That, yeah, that actually, he was 11th or 13th or 11th, somewhere in there. 
somewhere in, in that range. But yeah, you're right. I mean, if he can get to that level, but it's going to take a while. One thing we we tend to forget is how young these guys are. I, I see, we see this happen every year, right? Prospects get hyped and hyped and hyped in their freshman year of college, and they come into the right. NBA at 18 or 19, and they're not great for three years, and people seem to think they're busts, when in reality, sometimes it just takes a couple years. So Booker's trajectory is is insane. He, I mean, he's already very, very good. He has like seven 30-point games in his career or something. He's not, he can't even legally drink yet. So that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, um, that is true. But he might not be a good or a good defender until he's like 25. That could be five years from now because he's still really young. Right. So he would, he would be, this would be his junior year at Kentucky if he stayed in. And uh, one of the benefits, of course, when you're a team like the Suns, who we're all just itching for something good after, you know, what has gone down the past seven years. So obviously we want to glom on to anything we can. Now with, in the case you see like Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs, um, he, Kawhi was drafted around the same position. So there was no, there was no pressure put on him at all. So he could just kind of find his way and he became what he is. Now it, it, it uh, now granted he wasn't actually, I guess he was drafted by the Spurs. The Spurs traded up, but that's the difference between Booker. We look at this kid and this all the the expectations of the entire city rest on his shoulders, which I guess unfair or not is kind of how it will be. Yeah, they just I hope they give him help because you know, I was really worried earlier in the year that his he could regress or his development, I should say could be hurt by the fact that, you know, I don't really know what type of offense Earl Watson is running and he doesn't to be have, fair, I don't think he knows too. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't, he doesn't have guards uh, to get him the ball. And, and like, I like Eric Bledsoe a lot and I'm sure we'll talk about this later in the podcast. He's a terrific player, but that guy, that guy's just not a starting point guard. He's, he's a six, three off guard, which is fine, but that's where he's not Tyler the type Uless of guy is perfect to, for Booker. Yeah, and I, I'm but not, he's not, not going to set that, up shots. I'm not going to say Ulysses is, uh, is going to be like a stud or anything, but that, I mean, granted, they've, they've known each other for years, but also he Ulysses knows how to play point guard, and he knows, he, he knows how to pass, and he knows how to set up Booker. So that like I, that's when, and even we saw yesterday, um, I guess well, let's get into this now, because um, they... The the problem for Suns fans is the game against the Spurs yesterday was a win, and it was a win that was led by the young guys. But also, with these young guys, you don't need to be getting any unnecessary wins because, obviously, you want better draft position. It's, so, it's the internal struggle of a team that isn't good, right? Because at some point, yeah. you need to transition from we want the best draft pick to we want to start winning games. But it's really hard to pick that time and that place. I mean, you know, the, the game was thrilling yesterday. It was great being the Spurs. It was fantastic watching Ulysses and Bender get big minutes down the stretch and Booker take over. And I was very energized after the game. And then about 20 minutes later, my mind just wandered to, you know, did we cost ourselves three spots in the draft four spots in the draft and it right it sucks 
thinking that way. It's just kind of the curse of a of a team that isn't winning. And so they, yeah. So one of the things, I guess, the positive to take away is the the key for these young guys is we all know the team's not going to be good, but the key for these young guys is you need you need those glimpses of the positives to keep them going. So I think this was a fine positive because it was led by the young guys. They beat an actual good team in the Spurs, and they also, it wasn't like they, the Spurs didn't play players and the Suns had a big lead. The Suns had a lead, lost it, and then ended up still winning. Yeah, so, and that was exciting. So I don't, but you're right, it would, it would have been a far more hollow if that comeback was led by Brandon Knight, Tyson Chandler, P.J. Tucker, and Jared Dudley. It would... Right, the, there wouldn't be any good feeling. Need... You just think, well, there goes our chance to get Lonzo Ball. Right, because those guys don't need any positives to grow off of. They're they're veterans, and they already know what's going on. But these guys, like, if you see Eulis and Bender and Booker go in there and lead a game against the Spurs, then they realize that this is something they can do. This is, I think, what the problem with why people are kind of bummed out with the Timberwolves this year is because remember the Timberwolves beat Golden State last year, right? Yeah. So, so that was kind of their glimpse of, and maybe everyone put too much pressure on the T Wolves, but, but it, uh, you you need these things now. If they, if the Suns run off like a an eight game winning streak with these guys, I guess that's also kind of good. But then. Again, yeah, I um, actually have a question for you based on that. If yeah, let's say there's some scenario where they just they catch fire and they start to win games and they win enough games to where they're not even in contention for one of the top three picks, but right. this happens because Devin Booker just takes a leap, then mm-hmm. is it as bad because well, we're not going to get Alonzo Ball type person, but Devin Booker just became a freaking superstar before he turned 21. Do you is that you know your franchise player there who can who can lead you? Well, the reason the reason you tank is to get a franchise player. So I think if Booker shows he can be that and he's getting wins, you have to take it because you don't want to. The key is not to keep losing and hopefully find a franchise player if you already have one, right? So yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, I so if, he, the, if they rattle it off and they go with Booker and Booker's out there scoring 25, 30 points a night, Euless shows he can get him the ball and Bender is becoming what we all think Bender can be, then, I mean, you have to take the wins because what do you, that's, this is the exact scenario you're waiting for. You're right. No, you are right. But then <laughs> I just think. Get through two more months of the crap, man, and you can get another young superstar to add to this potential. So it's it's the frustrating part of being in this situation. I think mm-hmm. if they if if they finish like twenty five and fifty seven or something, and they get a high pick, then next year we could kind of stop worrying about tanking and all that stuff, right. and just right. hope root for the young guys to develop and and root for them to win games i think they really only have to go through this one more time so i still think i'd rather see games like the cleveland model is my favorite model super entertaining 
young guys making plays, but at the yeah. end of the day, they kind of lose it. Right. Or Dal- maybe the, the Dallas, Dallas model, game. right, where they lose to Dallas, but Booker has this historic fourth quarter. Stuff like that, I think, is still the model for the rest of this year. Okay, so so we open that up. Let's talk. The one thing I think will be a reoccurring theme, we'll talk draft and we'll talk who we want the Suns to take. Now that, this will be kind of a double lead-in to, I think who we want them to draft is basically contingent on who is still on the team following the trade deadline. Yeah. Because, because if... If I have the number one pick and you can take Lonzo Ball or Markel Fultz, who are both point guards, that's great. And I would, don't get me wrong, but that, that the impact of that is a little odd if you still have everyone on the team that you have now, because you're just loading up on guards. Now, one of the things, if you, if they intend on keeping Bledsoe or Knight or one of those guys, if say you rattle off some wins and you finish around seven to 10, there are some interesting forward possibilities. Who's the, uh, the guy that went to go into Kansas right now. That's one of them, right? Josh Jackson. He would probably be, he, he'll probably be top five, if not top three. Yeah. And, but that you, you look at a kid like Lori Markinen out of Arizona. Who did you, did you watch that Arizona game versus Arizona State the other night? I by the time I got home it was over and I got home like five minutes left five minutes into the game. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was gonna say to be fair, the game was over pretty quick. But Mark Markinen, uh he he has he has a three point shot. He has if he if he develops some sort of fadeaway or some sort of killer post move and that he's like a he's like a young jerk. I don't want to keep throwing that. I don't want to throw that around oh. lightly, you know. That is quite that, that is heavy, man. It is. That it, is a heavy claim. I don't know. He he's I I like the kid, but so right now as it stands what obviously it's all contingent on where you're drafting, but what do you prefer? Do you prefer the Suns pick up another guard to play besides Booker or do you think that they should focus on a forward. I... In, in the NBA draft, best player available at all yeah. times, in my opinion. Right. I, it, these, these guys are so young, they're not going to come in and help you right away. Sure. Anyways, right? Like It's not like the NFL world, we need to fill these holes and these guys are going to be stars right away. Mm-hmm. In the NBA, I, just, I would take whoever you think is going to be the best possible player. Well, I Even guess if that it, means you're going to have a fifth Kentucky guard on your team. And right. who, people are going to make their jokes, sure, but if you think that's the best player, that's the guy you got to go with. Right. It, uh, as it stands, they, yeah, the Suns are in the fifth position, so that could be good enough to get a Josh Jackson or a Jason Tatum from Duke. I, I, I always like small forwards because i think small forward is kind of the toughest position to draft maybe center but also small forwards are kind of impact players in my opinion but True. yeah it's i guess i guess we'll have to look this this probably be a better segment once we know how the team is going to shake out so 
Let me what? ask you a question that kind of goes back to the whole tanking mentality, too. Mm -hmm. Because the Suns are in fifth position right now, and we want them right. to get higher, ideally. But how much does it really matter if you move from fifth to third? A 1% more chance of getting the top pick? Sure. And do they say... Like, I've heard that this is supposed to be a, a really good draft, right? Like, it's six or seven deep in potential all-stars. Right. So maybe, I don't want to backtrack on the point I made earlier, but maybe we should, as long as they don't get out of that five, six, seven position, maybe we shouldn't worry too much about games they have to lose. Yeah, it, it it's kind of muddled, the 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 position they're in, they're kind of muddled in with a few different teams, so that can kind of go either way. I think it it uh you get forty five more ping pong balls if you move from seven to fifth. It uh, that's a significant number. Yeah, but still, it I it's tough because I I want them. I was sitting there watching and I couldn't actively root against what was going on, even though I knew it would cost them uh, potentially down the road, just because I loved watching Booker just go off. You're right. And like I caught myself a few times, just pure fan mode kick over. And I was like, yes, big bucket. That's great. And then I'd be like, wait, aren't I supposed to be rooting for the loss? And you know, fan instincts kick in sometimes, and you just want your team to win. Right. Hey, let, let me ask okay. you a question, Matt. Sure. Um, I've, I don't watch as much college basketball as you do, so you're definitely the expert here. I've kind of heard some Lonzo Ball comps that are Jason Kidd with a three-point shot, and that's yeah. like the best player of all time, maybe, if that's true. What, what are your thoughts on him <laughs> and, and his his NBA ceiling. I know it's incredibly early to even try to predict that. Yeah, it, I'm going. I'm actually going to UCLA this Thursday to watch a game. Um, mm. I haven't seen him live yet, but it. This kid, his, his whole family has been hyped up for years. Like I think all three of his brothers, or including him, they're all committed to UCLA. And one Didn't of them, his is, brother, his in high school, do something recently where he like just casually made a half court like jump shot yeah there, it it doesn't even from what i hear lonzo isn't even the best one of the three that is crazy right so the he, guy with the kid comp is not the best player in his family that's just insane yeah so if he's jason kidd if the comp is jason kidd with a three-point shot and jason kidd is what like the second or third leading three-point maker of all time granted he 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 kid had no three-point shot when he came into the league and he developed one as he got older um, true but even without a three-point shot kid was a guy that if he was on your team you were never going to have a bad offense and you were never going to have a bad team right and if you can obviously if you can find that in any play like i think of someone like chris paul if chris paul's on your team right now you're probably going to be a 40-win team just because he's going to find a way to make everyone better. Steve Nash was like that, too. Think of some of the Suns teams post-Amari, how bereft of talent they were, 
yeah. they were still 40 and 42 because Steve Nash is just makes every team better. And if you can find that, you know, like a, if Lonzo Ball can do that, not only should he be the number one pick of this draft, but I mean, that might make it better than some of the last hyped number ones like Ben Simmons, who we haven't seen yet, right? Or Wiggins, if they, uh, if he can reach that level. Yeah, the one thing they people kind of pick on right now is he has a weird shot. He shoots pretty well, oddly. But uh, as Suns fans, we're not opposed to people who shoot oddly because we had Sean Marion and the like. But and it, TJ uh, Warren's shot's kind of funky now too. Yeah, but it, if and I think Lonzo has to add a little bulk, like a little something to his frame. But the way he the way he can see a court is perfect for this. It's a perfect match with Booker. It is. It is a. Um, I I don't know where to go from if if everyone already is calling him Jason Kidd. I don't know what to add to that. It's kind of it it is kind of shocking. It's, it's almost like me comparing Laurie Markkinen to Dirk Nowitzki, I guess. But it I just say Booker Ball twenty twenty. That's to be every Suns fan's goal right now. Yeah, I uh, I'll give you on our next episode. I'll give a a, a upfront and in depth. Face to face Lonzo Ball review. Perfect. I can't wait. But, uh, yeah. So let's let's close out uh, with a game of stay or go. Okay. It's I'll, okay. I'll I'll give you a name and we talk about if the Sun should trade him and if they realistically can trade him. Okay. Okay. Let's so do it. the first name uh, is. Brandon Knight, I think the guy we all want the Suns to trade. The guy we all want the Suns to trade who has absolutely no trade value. Yeah, he... I think he hasn't played more than two full seasons in any of his stops in the NBA. He's just a 6-2 shooting guard. That's who doesn't play defense, who doesn't really share the ball... I mean, he had one really good season on, on Milwaukee, right? But even they traded him. Yeah, and they, uh, yeah he just, had a season in Milwaukee where he averaged almost 18 points, uh, which is which is good, but not great for a 6'2 shooting guard. His, and I mean, I think his NBA path needs to kind of be what Eric Gordon's was, right? Where he found... Mm-hmm his perfect spot as kind of the backup to Harden and playing off of Harden in Houston. Like Eric Gordon is just absolutely fantastic in that role. And I wonder if Knight could kind of excel in a role like that, where he could come in and be a playmaking guard off the bench and, and play off the main ball handler when the main ball handlers in the game. But I, I just don't know. I mean, on this team, he has zero value. And I don't even yeah. know what they could get for him. Like, I think well, they the, would have to just be like, take the contract, please. One of the, <laughs> well, that, I was just about to say, one of the things that that he has going for him is his contract. He, he, he tops out at 15.6 million in three years, which is not, not completely terrible. It was two right? years ago and now it's nothing. 
Right, which I think was actually what they were thinking when they signed him to that. They were kind of hedging their bet on uh, if he becomes amazing, we get a steal, and if he doesn't, then we ha- still have a decent contract we can trade away. I just don't... Yeah. I, the teams, obviously, the obvious go-to teams are like the 76ers and the Kings, and I don't... I I think... Colangelo is too smart to do any like to trade for Brandon Knight because Brandon Knight is not he's not the guy that they wasted five years of basketball to get you know I um I agree with you 100% I have a next level trade idea for the 76ers but involves somebody else on our list that we're going to talk about well then Eric Bledsoe I don't know if you want me to jump into the Bledsoe go go into that because they kind of go hand in hand yeah, I wonder if I might. Eric Bledsoe is a fantastic player, in my opinion. But oh yeah, I, I don't see what the Suns' peak is with him running the point. He's not a point guard. He's just a really good. He's basically like Brandon Knight, or a better version, obviously, a really good combo guard, a really good defender. His value is at its peak because he is injury prone. And you just don't know when he's going to decline. My thought is, send him to Philly. I don't care what you get back, because it's going to make them a lot better this year and push them past you or behind you in the lottery. Therefore, you're kind of getting a better pick in this loaded draft. So So my sleeper trade idea is Bledsoe to Philly for, I don't know, give us a first in like four years. Who who cares? Because I'm going to value jumping in front of the 76ers in this year's draft. So it's it's almost like a quasi-pick swap is what you're suggesting. It kind of is. And that's actually not great. I'm kind of being facetious here. It's not the best value for Bledsoe, obviously. But sure. I would include that if, if Philly is like, you know, we'll give you two firsts. Or you could have, I don't know what, if they need like a Nerlens Noel or something. But... If they got something decent in return for Bledsoe from Philly, then you can add on the fact that they can basically pick swap because Philly is going to get a lot better with Bledsoe and Embiid doing ridiculous athletic things every night. Right, and I've always I I think that's a good destination. I've thought that um, trying to get the Kings to take Bledsoe is a good idea because. Uh, DeMarcus would love to play with Bledsoe, I think. I think having him there would help Cousins' uh, attitude a little bit. And if you trade Bledsoe, you can give more minutes to Knight and just hope to build his value back up. So maybe you can trade him in the summer. Well, there's there's still 40 days or so until the trade deadline, I think. Right? (sighs) So 40 days of nonstop rumors. Oh man, yeah. We should just start a we should just start a, a straight rumors podcast where we come on here for two hours and read read rumors. Is that not what we're doing right now? Yeah, that's a good point. It uh, rumor cast you... new podcast coming from us. Look for that. <laughs> we uh, what do we got here? We have the next name on our list. This I do. We think Jared Dudley has any value? Should be or could be traded. I think Jared Dudley's value is in Phoenix as a rock solid veteran. Yeah. He 
I mean, his salary is, is whatever. They're not, they don't need to clear salary cap or anything. And I don't right. know if he's even good enough anymore to be a, a good role player on a contending team. I think he literally needs to be the guy he is here. A guy who won't complain if he's, he's been benched for a month, doesn't complain, is still professional, yeah. and still helps the young guys. Let me even give you a, a virtual comp to this. In my okay. 2K franchise, the Suns are terrible. Already. Yeah. And um, everyone complains about why they're not starting, except yeah. Dudley. He's fine really? with whatever role I give him. And that's how he is in real life, too. And I just don't want to trade a guy like that. Now, I, I think uh, the, if, if the Suns needed to clear Dudley's salary, they just wouldn't have signed him in the offseason. So yeah. Clearly, they, they figured his role was something other than starter, really. And his, his contract actually descends every year, so it's front-loaded. Not like a ton, but it... Uh, it's not. It's not like he's making six million this year, and he ends his contract making fourteen million. Yeah. So it, I think I don't. I think he has no. There's absolutely no trade value for a Jared Dudley with two and a half years left on his contract. Yeah, and yeah. I also think he's here to for the post PJ Tucker era too. Like I think I don't have anything to back this up, but it just seems logical that they told him, you know. You'll get you'll get minutes back. You'll get minutes again when when PJ Tucker is gone, whether that be a trade this season or he leaves as a free agent. He's they. We'll talk about Tucker then. He, he they've got to trade him, right? They they have can't. to. Last year of his deal, and that guy needs to be in a playoff series. Like yeah. I want to see PJ Tucker in the playoffs. That would just be fun to see. I mean, he deserves it. I'm not the biggest fan of his game. I he's not a good shooter. He does he does way too much where he like tries to make a play. But in terms of Would you pure say he's hustle, a classic grinder, Aaron? <laughs> he's a classic grinder. Now I do yeah. wonder guys like PJ Tucker become inherently less valuable in the playoffs when mm-hmm. everyone is grinding. Right. So I mean I want to see him in the playoffs because of his passion and the crazy stuff that he'll do. I love right. his reactions to things. I don't know how much he's actually going to add to a team in the playoffs. We saw this when the Suns were good in the 48 win, the magical 48 win season of a few years ago, when right. the games got tough down the stretch and they were competing for playoff position and everyone was playing as hard as they possibly could. PJ Tucker became a lot less effective in my opinion because his game is like 80% hustle. Right. So and when you're uh, and also when you're in a seven game series series, you can actually like scheme guys out of the game. So you you think you, you think can, coaches are scheming for PJ Tucker? No, no, no. I mean, like you can just you can make it to where like they're not. I'm not saying they're scheming everyone out there, but it focuses. When I'm saying your your scheme, your your the one you install can actually like make. Tucker less effective by proxy. Yeah, no, I, I I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, they're not. I don't think. <laughs> but I, I do like the idea of like a Steve Kerr scheming for how do we stop PJ Tucker? Yeah, yeah. It. Uh, <laughs> what, 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 where did the landing? Everyone keeps talking about Toronto. I guess 
could you you could try and trade him to Toronto, or maybe you can talk Portland into some sort of Chandler and Tucker deal. I that would be interesting. Chandler is. I mean, if they can get something for him, I, I guess move him. But I've, I've been loving the way that guy's playing. He's been rebounding everything. He's been like Bill Russell on the boards the last couple weeks. So if you're keeping track at home, we've compared Laurie Markinen to Dirk, Lonzo Ball to Jason Kidd, and Tyson Chandler to Bill Russell. You know, there was no good podcast that didn't engage in hyperbole. That's true. He's a, yeah, as of today, Chandler is averaging 12.1 rebounds. He, he's kind of another guy that, he's actually a little more, he's better, he's, he's like Dudley to where he's great for the young guys, but actually in this case, he does have some value. So you might, if, if you, if you don't trade Tyson, I'm, I'm kind of calling my shot here, but if you don't t- trade Tyson Chandler at the trade deadline, then you're effectively saying he's going to be in Phoenix for the life of his contract. Yeah, because, and I, because you're, you're right. You're, he's basically going to be part of your rebuild. And, I mean, he's supposed to be a good veteran and everything, so I, I guess I wouldn't, that wouldn't bother me all that much. But they can get an right. asset for him. from He'd be great in Portland, I think. I mean, Portland need some help and they're obviously scuffling. I think Chandler would be pretty good on that team. I'm not sure what a trade would look like in yeah, that would, aspect, the, but we talked about it a little this week. You and I did about how it would have to be like a combination of Festus Azili and um someone else and Azili because he's effectively out for the year, I think. And uh Yeah. Or I mean I was or you could work like Evan Turner if they if they if they want to just kind of cut the cord on Evan Turner then you would have to it could be a straight up Chandler for Turner type thing I would like Turner I mean Turner wouldn't make sense on the Suns if they still had Bledsoe and Knight but Turner would make sense on the Suns if you know if he was more of a primary ball handler I wouldn't hate that too much but that also seems kind of far-fetched yeah, then, and it, the it, scenario where Turner works, they get him in a deal, and they also trade Blood Bledsoe and Knight to somebody. That's that's not going to happen. Yeah, it, it it's some some insane scenario where Bledsoe, Knight, Chandler, and Tucker are all off the team, and you roll with a starting uh, <laughs> backcourt of Ulysses Booker and Evan Turner. Actually, I could I I would I'd be in for that. But I it's you just know we, so... we we laugh, but didn't McDonough trade like seven guys one trade deadline and the whole like got getting rid of Thomas and Goron and getting Brandon Knight. Yeah, they yeah, that is that is true. They it so it, I guess it isn't as hard as it isn't as far fetched as it seemed. It's just so that's that's a lot of money to it's a lot of money, you're right. For trading. It's it's effectively fifty million dollars plus uh, at least around fifty million dollars that you have to take, and now granted, you don't have to take all that back because you're under the cap. But you have to find teams that can take bits and pieces of that. So 
Yeah, it, that's it's... why we have ESPN Trade Machine, Matt. Oh, trust me, I spent a good amount this week trying to find random trades, and it it was <laughs> it was uh, it was driving me nuts because I just couldn't find much. My favorite but... thing about ESPN Trade Machines are the three and four team like elaborate trades when it's well, makes sense, makes sense, makes sense. There is no way Team Four would ever do that, right? Like right. every so three that... or four team trade created, ESPN Trade Machine always has one team that's just would never agree to the deal in in, in, yeah. in any possible way. Yeah, it's like a, of course, of course, the Thunder would love Tyson Chandler, PJ Tucker, and Jared Dudley, and they can give us uh, Cameron Payne. Like, of course, they'd <laughs> love to do that. Uh, I don't know. I love All it. All right, well, we're wrapping up here i think this was a a good a good first podcast into what will be i don't you know i want people to continue to listen the 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 problem and i'll be upfront about this with a team like the suns is um it may not it may not be all uh sunshine and and smiles from week to week but but we're, we'll you know, be there to get them through the hard times if you're a suns fan and you're feeling down because this team hasn't been relevant in like seven yeah. years, we might make you feel better or worse. I, we haven't decided yet. <laughs> yeah, we'll, go, we'll have retrospectives and look back at actual pleasant time. Um, if you want to find us on Twitter, I actually just started this account, so you can be one of our first followers as of this podcast, at Shazam Sons, S-H-A-Z-A-M Sons. They know I'm, Suns fans know how to spell Shazam. What's wait what? A Suns fan knows how to spell Shazam. Yeah, but we're hoping that everyone listens to this. That's true. And, That's uh, a good point. And uh, I'm I'm at hey it's Matt Baker and Aaron is at a underscore zone. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks, guys.